All right, y'all are going to want to put on some boxing gloves for this conversation and do that one of them jab, jab, punch, and like dip, duck, dive, punch. It is such a heated, on-your-toes conversation. As Kyle Sullivan tells us his story, he shares his testimony and the darkness of it and also the component of when the light finally took over. And I am such an advocate for people who are just raw and real and comical all at the same time, taking our testimonies and providing humor so people can actually relate and understand how to touch and taste and experience it because they've been there too. And so much of this story is relatable to mine. And so I am excited for you guys to dive in with him and truly like tread some water. And you're going to understand what we're talking about once you get in because entrepreneurship all the way to drug dealership. He's done some sailing. (laughs) So you guys are going to learn all about it. I hope that you'll incorporate him in your tag when you share this episode. Review it so that you can be a part of the podcast. I'm going to be dropping reviews left and right here soon of all the incredible listeners, and I hope you will be a part of it. You guys, if you also didn't know, my book is coming out, and I want you to read it. It's going to share my testimony and the deep dives of becoming. And so check out Amazon, Audible, all the places here in the coming show notes. You'll get the link. And so Kyle, oh, so good to have a friend like Kyle He's going to be there. He's going to have my back. And we don't have to be isolated in this thing called life. Welcome to the Fit and Faith podcast. Fit is an acronym representing founders, innovators, and trailblazers who are looking to live a life wholly, fully, authentically, and truly fit. A space for us to connect on the raw, real stories of mind, body, and soul alignment of entrepreneurs and kingdom leaders. I'm your host, Tamara Andress. And this podcast isn't like the cookie cutter interview experience. I've been coined the entrepreneurial rabbi. And so we do go there unscripted, no matter how far, wide, deep or high the there is. My desire is to see people rise from the inside out into their greatest calling by sharing their truest stories, talents and tips. As a purpose activator and brand builder, I believe our successes and failures are derived from who and whose we are, not what we do. But strategy and vision are equally as important to the mission. So let's cut to the chase together and get fit in faith. Yo, yo, what's up? Yo, yo, I'm like, how can you not get excited with that intro? (laughs) Isn't it good? Let's go. I know, it's the beat. You just want to like groove if you got any moves. I saw you in the green room. (laughs) Popping those moves. Come on. So good. It's good for an afternoon pick me up for those who are not watching live. I'm sorry. You should join us more often because it's really fun over here on Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn simultaneously. And so I'm excited to introduce today's guest, Kyle Sullivan. You guys, he is electric with just his energy. You can tell out the gate, Um, but he's got energy even while having two children under two, one of which is two months old, all the while uh, having a really rad backstory. And I say rad, that might not be the way Jesus would describe it, but it's the way I'm going to describe it. A rad background because he's going to use it for his glory in the way that only God can. And he is also a founder, no different than me, of a coaching company. And so I'm excited to just explore uh, the similarities and also the differences and how we can just glorify God in the process. Thanks for being here, Kyle. 
Absolutely. I am so excited to this. And and I subscribe. It's a rad uh, background. So, <laughs> good, uh, good, good. I can yeah, sorry. I mean, hey, good. I mean, D1 athlete and drug dealer are, are two totally different and yet maybe synonymous experiences that a lot of D1 right. athletes have. Um, the pastor piece then following right after that, I'm like, yes, I'm in for the story. I'm in for the testimony. Yeah. And then the fatherhood piece, that means there's a wife somewhere in the mix that we're excited to know about. And then how you've shifted all of that and you stepped into coaching and how it probably transformed your mind in that process and how you can serve people in maybe a different way than what you might have initially thought through ministry and what ministry means. Yeah, 100%. It's it's all been different hats and seasons. And uh, I mean, as the Bible says, all things work together. So it all... It all meshes together to this moment right now. It does. It does. Okay, so let's go. Let's go to the backstory. Take okay. it back, all the way, wherever you want to start. Okay, so I'll, I'll kind of speed through childhood. But so I was born. Um, my dad was a senior in high school, and he just said I was born. Good. Yep. I'm so glad you're here. Here we go. Hey, we're going all the way back. <laughs> I love so it. So when I was born, my dad was a senior in high school, and. Um, that's important because, you know, he was night j- had just turned 19 um, the next month after I was born, drops out of high school, starts, you know, working to provide for the son that he has. Um, biological mom bounces at six months old. I still to this day don't know who she is. Um, so, you know, my dad, single dad, yeah, grandparents. Right. And um and so in that, it, it's important to start there because it it implanted in me a desire for acceptance and that was subconscious. I didn't know until years later in a lot of counseling why some of the things that I did was tied back to even that infancy of, I don't know who my biological mom is, uh, but there's always that yearning of like uh, – acceptance and all of that rejection. Oh yeah. I know all the buzzwords. I learned it too. So, you know, grew up in small town, Louisiana. If your listeners, uh, watchers have heard of Doug dynasty. Um, that's my hometown. Nice. Nice. Um, and so, you know, grew up there. It's a great place to be from, but even at an early age, like my dad joked, he's like, you were not going to be the small town, guy like I was in elementary school going I can't wait to leave here I'm gonna I'm gonna be in big cities and I'm gonna do big things like it was this desire in me to be a part of something way bigger than myself and so go through middle school in eighth grade my dad gets saved as a key piece of my story because he went to this uh, really prominent men's conference uh, called promise keepers it was really big in the 90s and early 2000s and he comes back home and sits mom and I down Sunday evening and says hey I've given my life to Christ and we're going to start going to church now Tamara I had no context of church none wow Um, we weren't even CEOs like we didn't even go on Christmas and Easter only like there was none of that great analogy (laughs) and so I, as an eighth grader, asked the question, when's church? My dad said, it's on Sundays. I said, I'm not going. Dad, that's when we watch football. And as an eighth grader, you can assume you won that argument with your parents. (laughs) Yeah. 
So I, I joke I had a drug problem before I had a drug problem because my parents drugged me to church. And <laughs> so I started going to church and I hated it. Could not stand it. One week, I'm able to live my life however I want as an eighth grade kid, doing, saying, dressing, whatever. The next week, I have all these rules I have to adhere to. Mm. I have to say certain things. I have to wear certain things on this random day that we go to this random building to talk to this random person. And I'm like sitting in these Sunday school classes going like, y'all people believe this? Like, I, I just I couldn't yeah, stand it. Right. I mean, I was like out of left field. And like that's where I think it's so important and and as parents listening into this, because at some point, while we're raising our kids very different than how we were raised, you cannot force this on someone. Like faith is not a forcible experience, especially putting somebody in a four walls of a confined church and saying, you need to look like them, act like them, talk like them, walk like them. And you're like, I don't even like them. Why would I want to be like them? Right. Right. So, yeah. So I'm dealing with all of that get into high school and I'm playing sports. Like sports is my world. Um, Baseball, football. I mean, it was, it was the thing. And so my sophomore year of high school, I get bumped up to varsity and let's go back to the story in the beginning, acceptance, need for approval, desire to be belong, that abandonment thing. And so I'm around all of these guys that are two, three years older than me. And they're saying, hey, Sully, like, you want to come to this party? Like, I remember it so vividly where I got moved up to varsity. I'm working. I'm, you know, I'm trying to make my my spot on the team. And this guy that's a senior says, hey, Sully, there's this party Friday night after the game. You want to, like, you want to come with us? And I was like, oh, I've made it. Yeah, of course. Like, as a freshman going into sophomore year, like, Okay, I don't know what a party is, but like I'm here for it. And so I tell my dad, like, oh, I'm gonna go hang out with some friends. And again, like, I have no concept of this. I've never done anything like it. And then again, Louisiana. So we show up at this field. <laughs> Not even and, a house. There's a field. And there's just trucks and fire and beer. And I'm oh like, my. this is awesome. <laughs> And so I get into I get into partying that way, and you know we do eventually move to houses sometimes, but a lot of times it was just a field or a parking lot or whatever. Um, simpler times, man. Simpler I know, times. Right? And so that was kind of where I was dabbling with the partying thing. All the while, I'm going to church every Wednesday and every Sunday because that's what you live in this house. That's what you're doing. And so then I graduate. And I go to university in my hometown and I'm, I want to play football. That's what I did. That's, that was my life. But I'm like five, eight and a half on a good day with the right amount of product in my hair. Um, with the upwind pushing me up a bit, like I'm not a tall dude and I was just too short. I yeah. wasn't exceptional enough to overcome genetics and just yeah. my height. But what I was able to do, and this is where the D1 athlete comes in, is I was able to be a cheerleader. Stop it right now. Uh (laughs) Oh my gosh, this is so good. So I, first couple weeks on campus, meet this, because the strength and conditioning coach for the football team and the cheerleading sponsor for the university were married. 
And they're looking for guys Guys. to be on the squad. Yeah. And this little girl, peppy girl comes up to me and it's like, Hey, you want to be a cheerleader? Now keep in mind, (laughs) watchers and listeners. I'm like two weeks from like coming to the realization, like I'm never going to play football competitively again. Right. And it's been my world for 13 years. And I'm like, no, turn around, go to walk away. She said, we can pay you. Oh, so I turned back around and I'm like, y'all going to pay me to hang out with you again? 18 years old, not yep. a relationship with Jesus, yep. freshman on campus. Yep. She's kind of cute. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> well, I get to hang out with you. And she said, yeah, and my friends. And I know for the watchers, you get this. I went, <laughs> when's practice? I'm in. I'm I'm in. like, hold <laughs> up. And so I go through, I've never done anything like that. Never oh tumbled, never did anything. They took a month and just trained me. And I did a trial, made the, t- made the squad, all of that. Competitive cheer, competed nationally, the whole bit. Oh well, in God. the midst of all of that, I joined a fraternity. I'm on the cheerleading squad. And partying intensifies 100 times. First time away from home much like what your point was, is I, I had so much control on me that when it was released and I could do whatever I wanted, you did. And I, I did. Yep. Yep. And one of my pastors always said, like, you know, if you, when you were living in sin, if you didn't have fun, you didn't do it right. Well, I did it right. <laughs> and, uh, and so it just intensified. And one night I, through a series of events, get introduced to cocaine. Now, I am a naturally energetic person. I mean, I was a cheerleader. And so you take a naturally energetic person and give them something that amplifies their personality. Oh, Tamara, I was in heaven. Wow. I instantly was like, I need this as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And so that just, it just intensified, intensified, intensified. Get to be where within a few weeks, like I'm selling this stuff around campus, around town, at bars, like, because I'm like, oh, hold on, I can make money and not have to pay for my own. Like, everybody's like, oh, you you know, smoke what you sell. Like, that's a terrible business model. Um, But it's what I was doing. (laughs) And so it intensified to where I was doing Coke, Crystal, Ecstasy. I mean, anything with an upper, sign me up. Wow. And about two and a half years of that. Mm-hmm. All the while, I'm enrolled in college. I wouldn't say I was going to college, uh, but I was enrolled in school. Yeah. Um, doing the cheerleading thing, doing the frat life, going to class, making marginal grades. Mm-hmm. And then one night I got jumped at a drug deal. And so I have a scar on my right pinky and right index finger of me covering up my nose and my eye as this dude just beat the hell out of me. Like the legitimate place I was going out of me. And really quickly, I realized this is not how I want to live. So I called the one guy I trusted from church. He was the one guy that knew the most about what I was doing in high school um, one guy that knew that I, he was an older gentleman, probably in his fifties at the time. And I called him about three o'clock in the morning and I said, I need effing Jesus. I just didn't abbreviate anything. Wow. And he said, okay, come over. 
So I drive to his house, bloodied, shirt ripped, eye already bruised up, lip already swollen, adrenaline pumping, and I get to his front porch. And I say it again, I need effing Jesus. And he said, okay, let's talk. So he leads me to Christ through a conversation in between me taking drags of a cigarette. That's my saw to Paul. Fancy. (laughs) Right. So the next day he comes down, I, I stay at his house at night on this couch and he walks down the stairs. I'm sitting at his kitchen table and I said, what do I do now? Because I knew hours earlier I had a transformative experience. That was not where I wanted to live anymore. It's not what I wanted to do, but I had no clue what to do. And he said, all right, so my recommendation is that you drop out of college. You stop cheering. You move out of the frat house. And I got some guys that can walk with you through this. They played worship. Um for a band and, and, you know, they could, they could help you out. You need to get some new relationships. Cool. So I do that. Drop out of university. I quit everything. I get a job. Wow. And I'm 20, 20 years old. And um, just think, well, college isn't for me. I'm just going to go to church and I'll just work a job and, you know, that was that. So I do that and I just start going to church. And again, if I didn't have a, a actual encounter with Jesus, I wouldn't have gone back. Because it was the same, do this, don't do this, say this, don't say this. And I thought I was slick. I thought no one knew what I did. But, you know, in the Bible, it talks about when Paul's conversion from Saul and he goes to and starts trying to preach and everybody's like, whoa, whoa, whoa hold up, homie. <laughs> uh, we're going to have to pat you down because uh, last week you were trying to kill us. <laughs> right, right, right. Now, I wasn't trying to kill nobody. Right. Directly. But, I mean, drugs can do a lot yeah, of things. Yeah, oh, yeah. And so I walk into these church environments and people are like, who's, like, why is he here? Yeah. Like, what? It's only going to be a matter of time. Like those are the things that I, Mm -hmm. I heard Mm -hmm. and I heard what's said about me. And I just, I I leaned on, I had a actual transformation with Jesus. And so I just kept going and I said, I don't care if they believe it. They don't, I know it, it happened to me. I I'm going to make the best decisions I can. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to try to do the best I can forgive where I need to ask for forgiveness where I need to. And uh, so when I gave my life to Christ, I said, my yes is on the table, whatever, whenever the answer is yes. And it didn't take very long before I started feeling drawn to like vocational ministry. And I was like, Jesus, you are tripping. (laughs) You are tripping. <laughs> and it just kind of laid in a crock pot of calling, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, ministry? No, I'm going to be in business. I'm going to make a lot of money. And I'll be able to help out, you know, people in the church. And uh, Jesus has a great sense of humor because a year later, I enroll in a Christian college. I move away from my hometown. 
I knew one person in a new town that I was going to. It was literally like me moving to the wilderness because this town had 10,000 people. And everything I said I would never do, I went to a smaller town. <laughs> God, it's so funny. And so I get I get a degree in Christian studies and graduated 2012 and I moved to Oklahoma. And 2010, I'm doing an internship and I meet this beautiful blonde. Um, it was lust at first sight. We can be real here, right? Yes, um, please. Uh, like everybody's like, oh my gosh, I just knew I loved her. No, she was fine yeah, she was and I wanted her to be mine. Hello. Um, and I said, Ooh, who is this? My God today, glory. Um, and so I just, I moved here in 2012 and to Oklahoma chasing a girl. Much to my professor's uh, advice against it. I didn't have a job up here. I just had a host home that cooked the great meals. They gave me a bed and said, Hey, you can stay here and figure out this thing with Ginger. Now fast forward a little bit. It's worked out great. We've been married eight years in June, got two kids, two under two. So it worked out great. <laughs> it did. Um, and in the midst of all of that, 2012, I moved here. I'm doing odd end jobs. I'm working at a gym, working at a clothing store, doing like quarter time pay ministry, which is that's just how much I pay you. It's not uh, how much you're working, which anybody <laughs> in ministry knows ministry that. Knows, yeah. And then September 2012, I get hired on at this church called Life Church. And it's a church out of Oklahoma. And currently they're sitting at 36 locations, 11 states. Um, and I get hired on. And it's the first place that I realized, hold on, leadership development and ministry can be combined. And it blew me away. So I was on staff there for seven years, led thousands of people, got to like speak on the weekends. Um, I think four times in my time there, um, team teaching with the pastor. And it was just incredible. Leave that in 2019 and go work at a church called Transformation Church, uh, led by Pastor Michael Todd. And it was like in the come up of the church the church was, had grown from about 300 to 24, 2,500 in six weeks, blowing up on social media, every message going viral. It was just yeah, incredible. Yeah. And then October of 2019, my daughter's born. And that's when I say I unofficially started Unleash the Champ and my entrepreneurial journey because October 5th, 2019, 12.47 a.m., I held her for the first time and I made a commitment that I'm going to give you presence of time, not just presence of things. Mm. And Tamara, I didn't know how that was going to happen. But then the pandemic hit and I get really used to working from home. Mm. My wife's working from home. My daughter's four months when all this stuff starts. And at about eight months of her life, we say as a church, hey, we're going back to the office. And I heard it's time. Mm. And I said, Mm -mm. it's time for what Jesus. And so I talked to my wife and I said, I think God told me to quit my job. And she said, Oh, and for any husbands on here, when your wife gets a couple octaves higher, watch out. Cause you don't know which way it's going to go. Oh gosh. It's so true. You're like, like, it could be great. Oh, or... Okay. And so she says, so what are you going to do? 
And I went, well, you know, I got this coaching thing in the back of my head. And, like, I just think I want to go for it. And I want to see if I can make this thing, like, if I can make it work. And she gets a smirk on her face. And she said, you know, I think you may be the last person to realize what you should be doing. Now, that's important. And that's huge. But my wife is also one of the most risk-adverse people. (laughs) Right? She's like, Like, never. And for her to, like, stamp of approval that, I was like, let's go. I'm good. Let's do this thing. Wow. And so Unleash the Champ was born two weeks later. And it's just evolved. And here we are. So birth to now. And now I get to talk to you. <laughs> this is so good. I love it. Because it's, I mean, there's so many rebirths, right, in the midst right. of it, um, which I think is so beautiful. But I want to ask two questions. Yep. One, I see you you know, curled up in the fetal position with your hand over your face being beat the S-H-I-T out of. Yep. And then the scream of, I need Jesus. Yeah. What, was there an encounter where you were like an out-of-body experience? Like, what was that like recognition point of, I need him? You know, Tamara, I think it was the years of messages making sense all in one moment. Wow. Because... What was like I yeah. said, I was in church every Wednesday. Yeah. Every Sunday. I went to every retreat. Yeah. I went to every summer camp, which was awesome because I always did beach camps. <laughs> I'm like, hello, yes. Uh, but it was like in an instant, wow. the grace that I had heard about for years became irresistible and I had to respond. It's mm. really good. Yeah, I think it's like that summoning, right? And they say, like, if he plants a seed, It'll be harvested in his timing. And in that, I think even in the prodigal experience of the prodigal son, like we, from a reader's perspective, don't know what the outcome is going to be. But God knows the outcome of every situation. And he also knows the sharpening and the shaping that's happening in that prodigal experience that's then going to make way for an even bigger ministry. So I love that part. My second question was, how did people respond in the church when you told them, I'm not coming back? <laughs> um, the people that mattered didn't care. And the people that cared, they don't matter. Mm, good. Now, that seems harsh. Yeah. <laughs> but there were people that tried to get like this inside scoop of no, like what really happened? Like, like everything's going great. So how could you? Like, why would you leave that? And I think sometimes we well-intended people need us to villainize an old season to justify a new one. Mm, That's heavy. That's good. And so for me, it was like, hey, this is what I'm doing now. And for the people that mattered, the staff I was on, even, even Pastor Mike, like, and prayed over me. It was like, hey, man, we believe this in you. Like, you got this. Go do it. What do you need? Like, it was wow. it was so, like, so even him, like, as the leader, was just so open-handed. Wow. And, you know, there were people that, like, you know, got in my DMs. I was like, hey, like, what really happened? I'm like, God said go. Actually, God said it's time. I left the end. Yeah, like, I answered the call. That's what I like, did. Yeah. You know, that that was it. 
And so it really wasn't, you know, and people have, the biggest lesson I learned through both of my transitions was how, how when a season ends, relationships end with it. And both were difficult to ex- like to accept that, that a lot of my friendships were based off of proximity and just frequency of seeing each other. And that was hard. That was the hard part about transition. Um, but really, it was a pretty seamless, both tr- major transitions I had. So you're, you step into entrepreneurship, which it sounds like from what I understand, while you had experienced the leadership side of things, entrepreneurship, this was that first run, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. So this is my wheelhouse. Like, I am so passionate about it. I get it through and through. I know how it feels. I've done it nine times before, nine different businesses over the course of the last 15 years. So I love the adrenaline, which you obviously parallel. You love the adrenaline. Yep. You love the... Let me put myself in the corner and let me punch my way out of it. Right. Um, but we're also being in congruency with God, like in a place where we have to trust and realize that every punch we throw isn't necessarily what he would have us do. But he's like, you can stay in the corner, right. but I'll throw the punches. Right. Right. Quick commercial break. I know I hate these things too, but it's so critical that you grow your business for God's sake. And I mean that, pun intended, with all the love in my heart to get you from a place of ideation to activation. Stop dreaming, start doing, stand up, start saying yes to the call that God has on your life. We are going to be joining in Lexington, Kentucky with none other than the beautiful Rise and Grind community with Glenn Lundy, who will be co-hosting this incredible conference. This is the second annual, and he has taken me under his wing to be able to share this stage, to motivate and inspire and I cannot wait to see you there November 5th through the 7th if you want to come in for the VIP experience which who doesn't want to come along for VIP that's all access passes to the speakers and the artists and you'll be able to dine with us in the private rooms with your own special bathrooms so of course come one day two day three day passes available as well and we cannot wait as Glenn and I say to hug your neck see you there and so talk to me because I love the Unleash, your, uh, Unleash the Champ. I love the concept. I love the connection to your past. Um, how do you keep your hands bound from throwing the fist rather than trust God in the process of evolution for your business? Oh, I think I throw more, more punches than I need to. Um, <laughs> I, I sometimes feel like Peter with the, like I'm cutting ears off and, and God's like, stop it. Not bad. Not bad. I got it. I got it. Um, <laughs> so that you asked that. I'm like, yeah, we just, we, we're real here. Uh, yes, uh, and, we are. Uh, but I think there has been when, as much as I know mentally, it's been hard in my heart to like, just trust. Yeah. And, and have the faith that like, my names in rooms that I couldn't go in my like, and I believe that in my head, yeah. but I don't always believe that with my actions. Right. And so there have been so many times. And I think now I'm believing more and more like there's stuff happening. I'm like, mm, I should not, I, I should not have this opportunity, um, but it is. And so I'm learning that. Okay. 
God is fighting for me. He's on my behalf. He won, so I win. It's going to happen. And, you know, I tell my wife all the time, I'm like, man, something, something's always on the other side of our obedience. Like, something's going to give. Something's going to pop. She's like, how do you believe that? I was like, I just believe it. Like, it's going to happen. And, but let's just be real. Yeah. I swing a lot yeah. when I probably shouldn't. Yeah. And especially in the early, because I had really good success out of the gate. Yeah. And then it was like, ooh, whoa, I don't know what I'm doing. I need to, like, there was so much. And I've talked about this and made a post and all, like, how naive I was of the things I didn't know. Like, I knew I could motivate people. I knew I could coach people. I knew all of that. Yeah. Like, oh, taxes is a thing? Yeah. Oh, (laughs) that's good. Oh, I, you know. Yeah. And so it's like. Yeah. So I think it's a journey for me. And I think it always will be. Every personality profile, like I'm driven, I'm ambitious, I dream big, I I work hard, like all of that. And I have to remember where I get the strength to do all of that from. Good. That's good. So you started when your kiddo was like, what, six or seven months, eight yeah, months? Yeah, eight months old. And then now you've got a secondary. Yep. So talk us through, because I know finances is a part of entrepreneurship. That's right. Usually a lot of depositing finances out of your bank account at the beginning, right. rather right. than having those lovely debits, the green come through. Uh-huh. So how have you and your wife been able to maintain consistency in that? And what does like client acquisition and stuff look like now? Yeah. So um, she, um, it ha- it's not like public, public yet. So, but we're in a place now where we are, we've replaced both of our incomes, our salary incomes Amazing. with the business um, in the first 15 months. Amazing. And so the client acquisition is getting my my voice in as many people's ears as possible. Um, And it was so funny. The first probably 11 months, every client I got was through Instagram messaging. So good. Um, I just was like, well, um, what am I most active on Instagram? Yeah. Cool. I'm just going to start messaging people. Yeah. I had no clue what I was doing. (laughs) Like I got two clients that have been with me through the beginning and I'm like, shout out to y'all because <laughs> it is by the grace of God y'all said yes. Yes, I was the same. That's so and, and I mean, I sold them on like, I just helped improve your leadership. And they're like, okay. I'm like, man, that's the grace <laughs> like, of God. I don't even know what that means. I didn't either. I just <laughs> I was like, I, I mean, I've done one-on-ones with like hundreds of people. I just do yeah. that. Yeah. I just, you know, <laughs> and so now a lot of it is, getting on podcasts, you know, we both met through clubhouse being able to, um, you know, but still it's creating conversations. Yeah. Um, and that was an evolution too. Cause I was trying to sell a lot yeah. in the beginning and it just came off. It didn't feel good to me. So I wasn't as confident. And the more I just talk to people, yeah, the conversation generally goes to, so how do you work? Like, how does one work with you? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Let's talk about it. Yeah. But, and that is, I'm in a corner, but God's swinging. Yeah. So good. And probably, gosh, three, four months ago, 
I really felt a strong sense of like, wait for the invitation. Mm-hmm. And so I still create conversations, but I, mm-hmm. I don't pitch anybody like I used yeah. to. Yeah. And it's so crazy to me is when I stopped pitching, God started providing. Mm, so good. And now it's like, yeah, it, you know, my wife's still on maternity leave and not sure what she's going to do. But like, if she wanted to, she could stay home. Right. Such a gift. And if you'd have told me 15 months ago when I was 51% sure this thing would work, <laughs> that it would replace both of our salaries in the first 15 months of business. And through the 15 months, we'd not have to decrease our standard of living. And we added a child to the family. Yeah, right. That's all like you guys have had some extra things to pay for. Yeah. So good. Only God. That, it can only be God. Yeah. And so it's just like when I sit and I just go, God, like, it's only you. Yeah. Yeah. It's this is the like, coolest thing that, like, I think people, I don't know if it's that they can't comprehend or they take advantage of, right? There's probably both and is the understanding that like as a Christian, the understanding of surrender feels really easy when we've had that transformational experience, but hard when they haven't had that like crazy encounter. They're like, I know this to be true because the word says it to be true, or I've witnessed other people experience it. And so therefore I should stay in obedience as well. But without that, like, knowing that you know that you know, I have to go back to that honestly a lot. Otherwise I'm swinging again. And I'm like, oh, shoot, shoot, shoot. No, 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 no. I've experienced this before. I already know that he's going to come to the fight. I don't have to be the one coming to the fight. I get to be David because I've been practicing, right? And I, I don't have to do it in the same way that everybody else anticipates. I don't have to armor up. And I think the biggest conversation that I would take from this so far is the understanding of the sales piece, because I'm the same. Like I have a servant's heart. I want everybody to come in for free. And my mama, who is my sales manager and my customer relations, and she's like, no, it doesn't work like that. You do have mouths to feed. You do have children who go to school. There are things you need to pay for. You have to pay your team. You have to pay yourself, like all these other pieces. And so I think that there's a healthy congruency. um, But I also believe that if I don't have to be the one out knocking in that way, there's that question, that consistent question of, so what do you do to mm-hmm. tell me more, right? And it's it's also treading. It's a component of treading because there are pieces in the in my journey, at least, that has been where I'm like, is, it, is today going to be the day that I go under? Is today going to be the day that I go under, right? And then I always have enough stamina, enough energy that I'm like, oh, I have another breath. Yep. Oh, I have another breath. But it's not in this like grandiose, like, let me pull you into the standing water experience. It's like uh, every day I have to continue to remind myself that he's got me, yeah. that I that the storm is happening, but he's asleep on the boat. Come on. Exactly right. Yeah. I uh, I never missed a payment on anything until I started my own business. Yep. And I'm like, I moved out at 18, was working 213 an hour waiting tables and never missed a bill until this. And I'm like... Yeah. Yeah, you're like, I'm giving up. I quit. <laughs> Jesus. Like, right. what? And yeah. and I don't know if this is, I just feel prompted to share this. Mm-hmm. There's been so often, this journey has been the most lonely mm-hmm. journey for me. Mm-hmm. 
and I realized something that the it, let's go back to when we're in school and we're taking tests, right? If we have a question about the test, the teacher can't answer it while the test is happening. So good. And so, so often we're in the middle of a test and we're going, Jesus, hey, give me the answer. And he goes, hey, I, I actually, like, we've already, we've already taught the lessons. Mm. So, like, I can't speak during the test. Such a good analogy. I've never heard that analogy. That's really good. And so it's like we oftentimes are like, I just don't know. I don't know. I, can I ask a question? And Jesus is like, we've already done the lessons. You just have to lean on what I've already deposited in you. Oh, that's so crazy, especially from like a vision experience, right? So like even you stepping in and him saying it's time and you're like, it's time for what? And then the vision starts cultivating, right? And you start activating into like, this is what I can do. I can coach and this is how it's going to look. And this is the experience that we're going to have. And this is what our family is going to look like and the dynamic and our bank account, right? Your vision casting because he's depositing that vision into you. And then you're like, wait, this was supposed to look like a sea of people, not one by one by one. What am I supposed to do with this? And I think ultimately thinking through the fact that it's been 15 months, like that's fast. And it can also feel so stagnant. This is the (laughs) longest 15 months of my life. But he always gives you that breath of life in the midst of the treading, which I think is what keeps us going. It's like, here's, okay, you got a, you got a yellow mark today. No red, no green. Here's the yellow. Keep going slow and steady. Here's your pace. It's going to be okay. But I love the teacher analogy because I think that that's so like commonplace. I can think even back to my son this past week, he had his first spelling test. He's eight and in second grade. And he was so stressed out the night before in the morning of, he's like, I'm, I'm not going to do good. What happens if I get them all wrong? What happens if I fail? I'm, he's never, he doesn't, they don't even scale on an A to E or A to F scale at their school. It's one through four. Like they don't do any of that until they get to fifth grade at okay. his school. And so I'm like, you don't even know what that is. Like you don't even, you've never gotten that before. So he ends up getting seven out of 10 and he thinks it's the end of the world. Right. And I'm like, buddy, like, it's okay. We just have something to learn from that. And I think this is the same in entrepreneurship. Every day is an opportunity to grow and be better. I don't know what 100% looks like, to be completely transparent. I know what a good win feels like, but I don't know what 100% is because every time I hit that win and someone gives me affirmation, I am always at the point of saying, there's more. Mm -hmm. This This isn't the fullness of the abundance. This isn't the fullness of the vision. Yay, 50 people showed up. No, there's supposed to be 5,000. I want to feed 5,000. Like, mm-hmm. let's go. Right. So I think that's where like the taste of entrepreneurship and the journey is isolating because a 90% of the population, I would say a lot more than that, don't get it. Right. Like, how are you relying on a vision that you've never seen? How are you relying on doing this thing when no one else has a blueprint for you? Mm-hmm. And even coaching and even masterminds, which are very helpful. Thank yeah. God for that. But even before that, it's like, I don't know. I just feel like I the prompting and here I am. Yep. It's a little, well, it's a little nutty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there, there's a reason why, you know, less than 5% of people, you know, probably in the world take this journey. Because you, like, it's not for the faint of heart. No. And you have to have a clear vision and be sold out to that. Yeah. And... I, I'm sure it's the same way for you. Like I've had to 
marry the vision but date the model. So, like, how I thought it was going to be 15 months ago, I mean, again, I was coaching leadership. Which I love leadership, by the way. Well, yeah, leadership. but it's like, that ain't going to build the vision. <laughs> right. But it, how it has shifted and evolved and will continue to evolve, like, as I've gotten reps and as I've gotten into this. And so the vision is the same. But how that's going to flesh out is very different. And, you know, I just think I couldn't, you know, people always ask, well, could you go back to a nine to five? Could you go back to ministry? And I'm like, if God told me to. Yeah, that's good. Because that's the only way. That you would do it. That I could go back. And that is like, that ain't, if ands are, like, it would have to be God going, this is it. Go back. Yeah, yeah. And this is the thing I always tell entrepreneurs too, because I have a lot of people coming away from ministry, stepping into entrepreneurship, and they immediately want to go into designing a nonprofit, right? right. Because it feels like the church thing to do and it's right. And then people can give me money, but they're not really giving me money. They're giving the nonprofit money Uh and then they can step outside of themselves versus having to go and say, Hey, I have this expertise, pay me. And then I will provide you value, right? They're, Right. They're not into the sales thing. And what I found more than anything is the recognition that once they establish the business, which I don't always deter from a nonprofit, but I don't think currently that there's a really healthy way of establishing a nonprofit that makes sense for you until you have money to then fuel the nonprofit. So there's a a way that we do this. So getting them into the business side of things, and then they're like, wow, I've seen more transformation serving these people than I have in ministry that I've done for 20 or 30 years. Guess why? Guess what the difference is? You know. What's that? Investment. That's right. They're willing to exchange value for something that they need. In ministry, when it comes to the church, the church has been so coddled and the church has been, I'm sorry, I'm speaking out over here. The church has been coddled and we're spoon feeding grace. Come on. And I am, I am all for grace. You told, talked about grace in your story. I've needed grace over and over and over every single day. However, there's no coddling involved in the rise, right? There's no coddling involved in this experience because I work my for it. And so I think the difference is they know if they, they're going to be fed every Sunday, they're going to be fed every Wednesday and they're good enough in the interim. Meanwhile, they can party Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and they don't have a kick in the face experience where they're like, Oh, wow. I actually understand grace. Not I need grace. I understand grace. And so in that exchange of cost, they're willing to put their money where their mouth is. And that's what I want to see people do more often. You want your business to scale? Put your money where your mouth is. We have to invest in ourselves no different than the person who invests in us. 100%. And the, I mean, I think John Maxwell said the the size of your dream determines the size of your investment. Mm, So good. Every time I've raised my prices, I get people that I work with that I enjoy more. Yeah. Every time. You're so right. You're <laughs> because, so right. Because they're going to show up. Yeah. And the more I've invested in myself, the more I show up. Yep. It's just, it's the law of reciprocity. Yeah. Like there's an exchange of value. And it's like the first coach that I, I invested in was 25K for six months. Yep. And I paid up front. Yep. And again, Told my wife, 
hey, this is what I think we should do. And she's like, oh, oh. you know. <laughs> and so, but it was this, it was that moment of like, oh, I'm, I can't not do it. Right. Right. And so I, I love what you're saying. And it, it's, it's so true. And I think so often when I work with believers, the first thing that I have to get them to understand is like, one, your masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works for which he's prepared in advance for you to do. The victory is on the table. Yes. You just got to step into the arena. Yes. And when we start to do that and believers start to dream again, let's go. Then we start activating that Holy Spirit that's living and active. Yes. Yeah. People can't understand the fire that ignites because what's happening, it's not just for you. We know this to be true. Like you're literally catching fire to everything and everyone that's around you. And there is a no turning back, only God experience for the non-believer who walks by and is like, What's happening over there? Mm-hmm. How right. come they're being blessed? How come there's fruit on their trees? Right. Mine's over here shriveling up because I have to wear a mask. Sorry. So here we are, and we are not a political podcast, but I am heated with some situations going on right now, and I can breathe. So I'm happy about it. However, comma, as my dad always said, I am I am excited to to bear witness to mm-hmm. one your story, two your family's story, because it's all congruent, right? And it's a beautiful thing that you're going to be able to raise your children in a massively different way since birth than how you were, right? And so I want to hear from you two things. One, what is the big vision? What does it look like? What does that look like that we get to now bear witness to 10 years down the road and be like, he said this one time on that one podcast. And two, um, how can people actually interact and and be in community, whether it's with your coaching program or anything else? I know you have a podcast as well. Yep, absolutely. So I love that you said people need to build the business, then fund the foundation uh, and the nonprofit, because ultimately the nonprofit is what I want. And it's going to be Unleash the Champ Leadership Academy, where we will go into elementary, middle school and high school students and teach age appropriate leadership lessons to them. So good. And because I think how even my daughter at two years old, the thing that they compliment her on most is her belief in herself, her her diligence, her perseverance, her toughness. Like, but that's because we go through her affirmations morning and night. And so I want to do that for as many children as possible. I probably could have circumvented a lot if I would have had some awareness of that. Um, And so that's, you mentioned that, so I'll go there. Also, like, there's going to be a conference one day. Yeah, come on. (laughs) Just, I I mean, we're going to unleash champions on a massive scale in a freaking arena one day. Oh, my gosh. I love that. And, you know, retreats and like I just I want to create as many avenues as possible for people to go from confused to champion. And being able to do that, understanding that it's already destined for you because of the, the good works that's prepared in advance for you to do, we're going to do that. And how to get in touch. Like I said earlier, I'm most active on Instagram. I have a podcast, Unleash the Champ Leadership Podcast, every other week. So we'll do solo teachings that are easily applicable, quick hits. 
longer form interview style. Um, so definitely go check that out. But if you want to reach out, I love hearing stories. Um, just as I have a story, you have a story. I love to hear stories. So if you will just DM me, uh, you can DM me fit and faith. So I know it came from this and uh, we'll talk. And if I could serve in any way, I'd love to do so. Really good, Kyle. What a pleasure. I feel like I have so many. We have a lot of congruencies. I was I was a cheerleader, but not for the same reasons you were. And I had that party story as well. And so as you're sharing, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, it's so wild. And as you are called into like the younger generations, I feel like there is so much beauty and need in that space because it's a it's a broken place. And just like you're feeling that isolation and entrepreneurship now, it's a very isolating space um, as we bear witness to what's happening on the social media front, which is stuff we didn't really have to deal with in the same capacity. So we've got enemies to fight. And I'm I'm willing to, to glove up with you. Come and on. I can foresee your retreats and your conferences. I can see as you're saying it, like that Tony Robbins experience where people are actually in the ring together like let's throw it down i can see you doing like men's league football and like letting there be the peewee piece to it so you have that to play again like don't let that d1 athlete piece go to the wayside because i think that there's something so valuable in sports and um that right now there's such a well there's always been but a camaraderie around football specifically in our country it's an idolized right and so if we can change the narrative of what football is actually around and actually put it positioning god first in that space it could it could be really incredible yeah absolutely come on another vision here let's go yeah i'm in i'm in all right y'all unleash your champ today and get in touch with kyle sullivan in all the spaces and places and be sure to follow him and leave a review for his podcast too because that shows us that you're listening and we love you back for it so thanks so much thanks kyle thank you hey y'all it's me again i hope in today's episode you sense and ignite to an ember within you Something mentally, physically, emotionally, or spiritually moving that creates and sustains a fire within your journey. Before you go, let's solidify the flame. I'd love for you to take a step right now in declaring your takeaway. By snapping a pic of the episode you tuned into, share your sparked moment and tag me at fitandfaith underscore podcast or me personally at tamara.andress on Insta. I hope that I can keep you accountable and also share you with the greater community of the Fit and Faith podcast listeners. We're totally in this together. Community over competition is the motto, right? I'd also be incredibly grateful if you took an extra second to leave a review on iTunes or your podcast listening app. I'd love to feature your thought in the next episode and give you and your passion project a big shout out. You know I'm a writer, so I love words and I can't wait to read what you have to say. I'm ready to fuel the flame with you together. And until next time, blessings over your joy, health, wealth, and wholeness. Tune in next time. Have you ever felt conflict between your faith and feelings? If so, you're not alone. My name's Carly Mercouillier. I'm a licensed therapist and the host of the Therapy and Theology podcast, where we explore popular topics and questions related to faith, feelings, and spiritual formation. I want to invite you to join me every Thursday as we fearlessly name the complexities of our reality, grow in the awareness of who we are, and rediscover the power and purpose of our unique stories through the lens of the gospel. Subscribe today at lifeaudio.com.